0: Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the ACAST supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast presents... The traveling bard, Hobbes.
2: Now the year is 1867. The Civil War had just ended, and in the town of Charleston, well, they were just starting to rebuild when a Dr. Rembrandt Kavanaugh blew into town. The folks remember Dr. Kavanaugh as being a, a tall, elegant man. With one blue eye and one green eye. And when he smiled, his teeth were white and sharp like a shark. Now, Dr. Kavanaugh was an apothecary. He was a provider of pills, potions, and prescriptions. Now, his idea was to open his apothecary down on the narrow King Street by the docks to offer his pills, potions, and prescriptions to the sailors that were still aboard the Union ships and sell overpriced medicine to the people in town. The problem was that the Union ships already had their own apothecaries and you well know, people of Charleston were flat broke. Now, if this happened to you or I, we'd probably pull up our stakes, head out west and try our luck out there. But not Dr. Kavanaugh, for that man had the mind like the back of a nickel-plated watch. And he got to putting those gears a-going, trying to come up with a solution to his problem. And suddenly, his blue eye flashed, and his green eye flashed, and he smiled. And his teeth were white and sharp like a shark. And he realized that if he really wanted people to come to his apothecary, he was going to have to give them a reason to come. What he needed was a gimmick. Now the people at Charleston thought Dr. Cavanaugh had lost his mind. The first thing he did was he went into town and he placed an order for the largest sheet of plate glass anyone had ever heard of. Then Dr. Cavanaugh was spotted in a rowboat going to the Union ships, talking to the ship captains and leaving his business card people found all sorts of reasons to go down to the narrow King Street by the docks to see what was going on in that apothecary, but someone had put up black velvet curtains over the windows, so although you couldn't see what was going on, you could certainly hear it because there was banging and sawing and hammering, and there was a steady stream of sailors coming and going from the apothecary with little packages hidden underneath their arms. Everybody in town was talking about what was going on in that apothecary. And when they thought they could take their curiosity no longer, a sign went up in front of the apothecary, and it said, Ten days until the Hall of Wonders. And the next day it said, Nine days until the Hall of Wonders. And the next day it said, Eight days until the... Well, you get the idea. Well, the ten days had passed. And almost half the town was down there on the narrow King Street by the docks. And there was Dr. Cavanaugh. And his blue eye was flashing and his green eye was flashing. And his teeth were white and sharp like a shark. And he announced to the people that for the price of a penny, he would show them something they had never seen before or would ever see again in their lifetimes. The people were so curious. They would have paid a, a dime, a quarter, even a Yankee dollar to see what was going on inside. Well, they threw their pennies down into his bucket. And Dr. Kavanaugh let the first crowd of people into the Hall of Wonders. And the ooing and the aahing and the gasping and the gaping began. Because the inside of the Hall of Wonders, well, they had taken down the walls. And in their place they had put rows and rows and stacks and stacks of glass tanks filled with fish of every size, color, and description. Every tank had a brass plaque that listed the type of fish that were there, and someone had changed the lighting in the room and replaced it with a magic lantern that made everything seem to shimmer and shine, as if they were in the ocean itself. The people went up to the tanks, they tapped on the glass, and they were amazed at what they saw. I mean, the the people of Charleston had seen fish before, on a plate, or, or maybe on a hook, but they had never seen fish swimming freely around them. Then Isaac Sims, Dr. Kavanaugh's trusted assistant, he took the first crowd of people down a long, dark corridor. And at the end, there was black velvet curtains. Someone pulled on a rope, and the curtains parted, and there was the sheet of plate glass holding back murky emerald water. Oh, and there was something swimming around inside, and at the base of the tank, there was a brass plaque with a single word. And the word was... MERMAID. The people went up to that tank, and they could see something swimming around inside. Sometimes they they caught a flash of a silvery scale, or a bit of white skin, or a, a lock of blonde hair, but before they could see what it was, the curtains fell back into place. And Isaac Sims took the crowd up to the second floor, where there was the apothecary, just in case there was a pill, potion, or prescription they might be interested in buying, and then Doctor Cavanaugh led in the next crowd of people, and the ooing and the ah-ing and the gasping and the gaping started all over again. Well, people went back to the Hall of Wonders four, five, six times, and Doctor Cavanaugh started raising his rates, and soon his buckets were filling up with not dimes and quarters and even the odd Yankee dollar. The success of the Hall of Wonders might have continued to this very day, if it hadn't been for the rain. For the month after the Hall of wonders open, a squall came in from the sea, and the heavens opened up over Charleston. And it rained. It rained so hard that the roofs leaked. It rained so hard that mud started oozing up between the floorboards. Waves and waves of cockroaches were being washed out from underneath the low-slung houses, and rats were drowning by the hundreds, and cats were drowning by the dozens chasing after the rats. And it rained like that, uninterrupted, for well over a month. Now when it rains that long upon a people, they start entertaining strange ideas. People wondered if they had done something to deserve all this rain, but the people decided it couldn't have been them because no town with as many churches as Charleston had, there was just no way the people could sin that much. No, the people decided it had to be something new, something that happened recently. And that's when old Araminta Tucker started having her visions. Araminta Tucker was a local conjure woman who had been plagued by visions all her life. She was often seen wandering the town of Charleston talking to people no one else could see, and most people paid her no mind, but now, now they were listening to her. Don't you fools know nothing, she said. It's that mermaid that's making it rain. Don't you know what a mermaid is? People shook their heads and said they didn't know. A mermaid is a person who's been washed out to sea, and when that happens, they are... turned into a mermaid by other mermaids and when that happens they are cursed to live the rest of their lives in the sea no more can they step foot on dry land and that's what she's trying to do she's trying to make it rain so hard with her mermaid magic she'll get washed out to sea to join her people and pretty soon everyone in town was talking about mermaids There wasn't a saloon or a grocery store or a barbershop that didn't have some kind of expert on mermaids. Oh, they could make it rain until doomsday if they had a mind, they were saying. Oh, they could make water appear out of thin air. People decided there really was a mermaid in that tank. It wanted out, out it was going to come. Now, there was no date set by the mayor. There was no grand announcement. It was just one day, everyone cracked. And they came down to the narrow King Street by the docks. They came down from Wellington Street, Bottle Alley. They came down from Danger Corner. By the time they got down to the narrow King Street by the docks, they were a thousand strong. And they were armed with hammers and cudgels and clubs. And Dr. Kavanaugh was there, and he was waving his arms at the people, and his blue eye was flashing, and his green eye was flashing, and his teeth were white and sharp like a shark. And he said, it's nothing but a trick, you fools. It's nothing but wire wrapped in burlap. It, it's pig's bladder. It's filled with air. There ain't no such things as mermaids, you fools. But the fools were having none of it. They rushed into the Hall of Wonders, and armed with their axes and their hammers and their cudgels and their clubs, they smashed all the tanks, setting the fish free. They ran down the long, dark corridor, and there were the Black Velvet curtains. They were parted. Isaac Sims was there, armed with a sledgehammer. Even he had turned against Dr. Kavanaugh. And he reared back with that sledgehammer, and he let it fly. And it struck the plate glass in the center, and it shattered into a thousand pieces. Now they say that a split second is a tiny moment in time. It's almost immeasurable. But a lot can happen in a split second, and at that moment, a lot did. Just before Isaac Sims sledgehammer hit the plate glass. Something swam out of the murk. And if it really was, wire wrapped in burlap and pig splatters filled with air, it was an amazing piece of work. It stood there poised on a silvery tail, and it had white porcelain skin, and waves and waves of blonde hair fell down around its shoulders. But then, Isaac Sims' sledgehammer hit the plate glass and it shattered into a thousand pieces, and water began pouring out of the tank. More water than there could possibly have been behind it. And they say that whatever it was that was in that tank was washed into Dr. Kavanaugh's arms. When the people were picked up by that wave of water, they were pushed down the corridor and out into the street, and water started pouring out of the doors, and the windows, and the chimney. And when the people picked themselves up, They could see there was nothing left of the Hall of Wonders. The walls of that building were destroyed and they hung like wet pasteboard. But the rain had finally stopped. And that was good enough for the people of Charleston. Now the people of Charleston looked up and down through that town looking for Dr. Kavanaugh. They wanted to lock him up in the deepest, darkest dungeon they had in town. But Dr. Kavanaugh was never seen again. People figured he must have been washed out to sea by that great wall of water that came out of that tank, and that was good enough for them. The Hall of Wonders never really went away. Other people came and built their own Halls of Wonder, and people still paid top dollar to see fish of every size, color, and description. Of course, nowadays, we we call those things aquariums. So the next time you go to an aquarium, I want you to go to the biggest tank and look in the back. And if you see a strange fish with one blue eye and one green eye and rows and rows of sharp white teeth, well maybe then you will have found out what truly happened to Dr. Rembrandt Cavanaugh, but what's worse is that he will have found you.
3: everyone. And believe it or not, this is our first episode of season two of Three Witches and a Druid. I am Margo.
4: And I am Maeve. Gwen.
5: And I'm Brian. So today's episode, we're going to talk about public ritual. So that being holding a public ritual or attending a public ritual or any sort of connection when it comes to doing ritual in a public sense. So it, this is interesting because our, our Maybon episode was the last episode of season one, and I'll be holding uh, a Halifax public ritual for Maybon coming up on the nineteenth. I, I think everyone here has definitely held a public ritual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've
4: all done a couple
5: yes <laughs> yeah. or ish 30 or, or 30 <laughs> i think uh, my first public ritual was on the field of apeg and it was for 300 people <laughs> uh and it was me mark and ally and uh yeah a druid ritual is either very theatric or very simple there's very little in between it really depends on i guess who's doing it that ritual was very simple Yeah, we didn't have Mike at the time, who was very theatrical. There's always (laughs) fire coming out of something.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when uh, Vanessa was saying, "Tell about stories," you know, from you know when you met me, and I said, "There's so many." I said, "But that one ritual we did with those flaming torches torches that have been soaking in some kind of gasoline for like." Three hours prior. That was an excellent ritual. That was a pretty amazing ritual. It was at the
3: festival. Yeah. And I've always wanted to recreate something like that at some point. Every
4: ritual is always better with flaming torches. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing's better than fire.
3: Yeah. Well, and it was a Bridget ritual.
4: Yes. It was was. the three
3: faces. We were the three faces of Bridget. We were the
4: three faces of Bridget. Yeah. It was. Yeah, so that was a
3: little theatrical.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. One thing I always tell everybody, oh, I couldn't do that, I couldn't do it. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. Just organize yourself a little bit. And even if it's not, there's no flaming torches in a field with 200 people, that's okay. If 15 people show up to your public ritual or 10, you can
5: do it. If there's four Don't of you there's the flaming torch, it still sounds like a good time. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> exactly right. Anything with flaming torches. But well, no, never ever think you can't put on a public ritual because you certainly can. Don't be afraid.
5: That's one of the big benefits of paganism is that outside of, I guess, Wicca, is there any organization that requires a clergy or a priest in any way? Anyone can connect,
4: even even in Wicca, yeah. you can you can still do it if you're yeah. a follower of Wicca, and you decide you want to put on a public ritual. Go ahead. People are so happy that yeah. there's anything going on that they'll certainly yeah you yeah. know. And I mean, if you're worried about your oh it's too much, it's just then do something simple. Yeah, simple is great. Simple can be very meaningful. Yeah. That's always my advice to people who think they can. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I remember as volunteer coordinator for
3: the pagan gathering a number of years, because it was frequently, not always, but frequently the same groups doing the rituals that weekend. So trying to sort of reach out to folks and, and being at the store was an easy way to make contact with people and people who were regular customers, thinking, well, you've been shopping here for a long time. We have great conversations. You know what you're talking about. You're coming to the gathering. think about doing one of the rituals and then the eyes get
4: really big (laughs) (laughs) I won't lie I use the same opening ritual after many years and doing many rituals I finally got to that it's opening ritual or nothing
1: because oh. then it's
5: dawn. And yeah, then it's, you don't have to spend the rest of so the yeah, when you're doing about. for
1: the festival or any event. You're gonna yeah. do the first ritual on on the board because you wanna enjoy the rest of the time. That's right. Yeah.
4: And when AEPG switched over to Aegeus, I started doing the opening ritual. And I won't lie, I did the same ritual at least three years in a row. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, it well what it was is we had everybody there. I wanted everyone to in- introduce themselves, what they bring, and a lot of times, people were, you know, that a lot of people are new, or they don't know anyone, and it was, you know, say I got up and said, hi, my name is Maeve. Everybody said, hi, Maeve. The whole circle yelled, hi, Maeve, and everyone said, you know, who they were and what they were looking, you know, looking to maybe Learn this weekend or a little something. And it was great because everybody got to say a little something. Throw a few oats in the fire. And that started the weekend because a lot of times people were too nervous to introduce themselves. Yeah. But if you got 40 people there all saying hi to you, well, then that's all done. So I did the same
5: ritual three years in a row.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, worked out.
5: Yeah. As a Grove, we have our very standard rituals for every holiday. And they're just, they're there. And they're always... Prepared for whoever may need them. But mm-hmm. it's always nice if people add their own flares or create their own. But we've used those core rituals multiple times over the years. And there's nothing wrong with that.
4: Yeah. yeah
5: yeah you don't have to reinvent the wheel everything no like
4: i figure if i look in my i believe it or not i have a binder of rituals oh, I if keep i everything if yes. i look at a binder in the binder from 1998 i can find something chances are people don't remember it yeah. <laughs> chances are.
5: Well, also on top of that the community changes over time yes it does, and
4: yeah. and even if they've done
1: it before there can be value in redoing something absolutely you know? yeah.
3: And yeah. a connection to that memory as well. Exactly, yeah, Yeah. which is wonderful.
5: So a big thing for us in our rituals, there's a lot of little things, a lot of little props and pieces you need. And so as a Grove, we have what we call the altar box and it has like a stash of all these little things we need, be it candles, be it incense, be it whatever, whatever any of us may need, it's, it's in this box. Karen and I have our own personal ritual mm-hmm. box for the exact same with the exact same purpose. It has yes. our cloths and candles and. Incense. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything like that?
4: I don't. Not really. I just bring what's needed. Yeah. Usually mm-hmm. bring this now in my own personal in my home. Yes, I have my altar tools and all yeah. that, and oftentimes they go with me. We have dragged. <laughs> through the woods oh yes there's my beautiful plum orchard pottery chalice wrapped in a towel going through the woods but no not not particularly no but i do find in public ritual if you can if you can get the rest of people participating, saying hi or whatever, or and a lot another thing people like to do, if possible, is something to take away from
3: the ritual. That's what I was yeah. thinking. I was as we've been talking about this. I've been thinking in my head of all those little, beautiful little presents that I've brought home
4: from mm-hmm. public rituals
3: that are all on my altar.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things. Hang on yes. to them all. Yeah, e- even just one year we you know tied you know, ribbons, the yellow, red, blue, and green ribbons, you know, at the closing ritual, how I got closing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's why I learned my lesson, I don't want to do opening. And it's like, you know, everybody stop, okay, think of the East and think of those thoughts. What did you, you know, what happened to you this weekend? They right. are related to that and related to this. And so when winter comes and we're all, you know, dreary and cold, you can look at this. And remember. Little yeah. reminders sometimes helps get people through. And I've had more than one person that Margot would have been there, but it was was before your guys' time, before you lived here, I'm sure. So in the early nineties sort of thing. It would have been early mid-ish, you know, and uh, we had little flat, I collected rocks from Margaret's, the little round flat rocks, and a bunch of us painted little, this little starburst and then the artists had beautiful starbursts. Mine was just a circle. Yeah. And I've had so many people say to me, I still have that on my altar. I do. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's around and
4: it, that, what was that? Like 97 or something crazy. I have little wooden discs Disks,
1: from yeah. tree branches that were cut out things were painted on them from mtgfar
3: festival yeah. Yeah. now don't think you have stuff. to go crazy
4: you don't
3: one of the ones An that i hold is nice here yeah. is a popsicle stick from yeah. the dollar store that had a message written on it mm-hmm. you know they had a pile of them and you all you just randomly would reach in and grab what message was there for you was there for you i mean that's i still have that and that's still very special so it can
4: be something very simple and if you can't that's okay too but that is something people really like is something to take away a thought to take away and uh, really never be afraid to do it you know so food's always nice too yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you know if you're it's not, not potlucking during the times of covid everyone bring their you know their picnic lunch and everyone can sit around later and mm-hmm.
5: things like that food's always good yeah. so uh, something in in druid rituals that we have to deal with with mabon and covid is that we often there's often a drink shared it's mm-hmm. the blessing cup so i think in this case we'll be placing the blessing in a jug of some sort and I'm pouring the jug into individual glass. Yeah. People will be expected to bring their own glass. Yeah, uh,
1: within the prison system, but also especially since COVID. Yeah, for sharing that sort of drink, rather than passing a chalice from mouth Personless. to mouth, person yeah. to person, pouring it into a little Dixie cup size.
4: That's what we did last year for Maven for the Public Ritual and Public Gardens. Yeah, Public Ritual in Public Gardens is we had little plasticky cups and I, you know, went around with the bag and collected them to make sure they got recycled afterwards. Yeah, right. yeah little things like that. And so
1: There's workarounds, yeah. if you, yeah, You'll you see things, but you, there's always that sort of workaround right. that
4: you can figure out. Don't feel trapped by certain conventions. We just used to put a bunch of wine in a cup and pass it around, but oh, now, yeah. you know, you can't necessarily have wine. People yeah. may not, you know, people may not want wine, things like yeah. that.
5: Right. Yeah, we we usually end up at using apple juice <laughs> yeah. when, when it comes to public, and then we use mead or cider when it comes to like just the room itself. Yeah, but for that very reason, yeah,
4: it's all different. Is I've drank out of a horn from your oh, yeah. your,
5: your yeah. Mead
4: <laughs> <laughs> back yeah. when oh yeah, the alcohol kills and stirs, but that was yeah. before COVID.
0: I still
5: think alcohol probably kills COVID, especially mead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so. When you hold a public ritual, something you got to keep in mind is location, especially in trying to make. So when you're trying to hold a, a public ritual, accessibility is very important.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: so trying to make your ritual as accessible as possible, but at the same time, understanding that you, can, you as a person can only do so much. That's right. I can't tell you the amount of times we've held a public ritual in one location and you have four people over here complaining. oh well I can't get there because the bus doesn't line up. Or if you hold it over here, you have another person that says, oh I only drive and there's no parking. You you can't please everybody. And
1: then I I went to, for Accessible, I went to because for the last few years of husband's life he was in a wheelchair and for you know anything beyond a a short distance and i can remember going to uh the last sound ritual no the second last sound ritual on the commons with him there was dancing and there was the there was a spiral dance there always is at our halifax sound ritual it always ends with a spiral dance but the organizers local pagan and ckdu radio share host with with Maeve, made sure that the people that had mobility issues were deep inside the circle, had a part and felt included. And so that was, you know, there there are ways to get around it. You can still offer things and still include people that Mm -hmm. maybe come with a cane or maybe you're on a wheelchair or something. And especially if they... You know, if they do have a little bit of an issue, if they identify a little early, I as as a participant, I encourage anybody that goes to an open ritual because you don't know they can sometimes be very physical, and if you're concerned and you don't you want to stay in the circle, see if that they can make they can say yes we're going to do something or no we're not going to do anything you're fine. But if they are going to do something, it's easy for organizers to set you in in the center of the circle or something. Yeah, right in the center, yeah. Accessibility all the way from where do I park and how do I get there. Right. Um, When we were talking fire. Now, some of those fires we've had have been on private property. Yes. Some some maybe not. But there's also now, when I first moved here, this is, you know, uh, maritime province and usually lots of precipitation. But we have had... Firebands and that sort of thing. And you have to be aware of all of that. You have to be aware so if you may not be able to have a fire or flaming torches. And sometimes I've seen people modify with candles. But then if you have a candle and you have the slightest breeze and you're outside, if you invest a lot of significance in the symbol of that flame and the god is snuffed out, or the or the power of the of that if everybody invests their energy into or whatever the symbol of the flame is, that can be problematic. So you wanna make sure that that flame is inside a really deep hurricane glass Mm -hmm. or some sort of protective whatever. All of those things about location
4: are not important. And never underestimate the value of a glow stick. Of a glow stick. There you go. You can can do that now. Glow sticks are the bomb.
5: We all love fire. There's (laughs) no ifs, ands, (laughs) or Butts about (laughs) this. But you have to understand it represents something. And other things can represent that as well. Exactly. Yeah.
6: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.
1: Be court. Yeah, but the is, but, <laughs> but always have a fire if you can have a fire. Yes. <laughs> the other thing
4: that does come in handy, if you're in a place where, like here on the Halifax Commons, they've been having Samhain rituals for 20. 25 years, Yeah, like mm-hmm. a really long time. So people are used to seeing them, but if you're in a new location, and if it's a location with quite a bit of foot traffic, if you're in a park or something, it cannot hurt have somebody outside the circle in case people stop doing and public, relations. Doing public yeah. relations or if there should be trouble mm-hmm. because not it doesn't happen now but back 25 years ago in the day it yeah. had to be you know you had to have someone wandering around because you never know people might have been freaking out and calling the cops and that happened more than once and you had this person who would speak to the police and then we got in the habit, okay, we'll inform them what's going on, and, but now people, it's not a yeah. big deal. But yeah. if it's somewhere where, you you know, people aren't familiar with it or the neighborhood's not or whatever, it doesn't hurt to have somebody walking, you know, the the guardian walking the circle to, you know, talk to people.
5: Yeah. I mean, or the police. Yeah, I, I've, d- I've done that two or three times myself. You yeah. had that role being yeah. a police yeah. person. I never experienced an issue, but a lot of times you'd, you'd have people wandering by and just walk up curious of what, what's going on and you just explain mm-hmm. to them what was happening. Yeah.
1: And it has happened that they said, can I join the circle? on your are go
5: ahead. Go ahead. Go sure.
4: ahead.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. All-inclusive free range weirdos. <laughs> yeah.
5: hundred <laughs> percent. So to change the topic slightly, we've talked about doing our own public rituals. How about attending public rituals? What are your thoughts? Do you guys feel you have any sort of rules or guidelines you follow when attending someone else's public ritual? Yes,
3: absolutely. A big part of it is respecting and following the ritual leaders and preparers. They've put a lot of work into what they're going to share with you and you are there to experience what they have to offer. So it's not up to you to feel if they're doing something right or wrong. This could be a whole new idea that That's you can change your yeah, change your your vision, change your outlook. I have stolen ideas from many public rituals imitation
4: <laughs> imitations in, the sincere. There form are of some lottery. clever
3: people out there.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, and I think sometimes for newer participants in the um in in neopaganism they can get a couple of books and they think oh it's supposed to be this way and then they can be thrown off when they come and it's not what they saw so they're like is this valid or isn't it but because it's such it's such an open and respectful journeying together with so many other people but most people, once you get in the flow of that, you find that this is good for your practice and it's good for your own spiritual journey to experience so many different ways that people approach it. Mm -hmm. That, uh, yeah. Things you didn't think about about, or, oh, what a good idea. Yeah. And it might throw you, there may be people that are a little nervous about that participatory thing, because I agree with you, Janet, the best public rituals have an element of theater and have an element of participation and that sort of thing and some people may not be used to that having a voice in a large group but just have courage in the fact that everybody there is is in the same boat as you and everybody there not everybody knows everybody you're not the only you're not the only person that is there with you know not knowing people or feeling i don't public speak or whatever and if you're asked to call out to your personal patron Mm -hmm. deity or whatever participate because that will in really increase your mm-hmm. what you get back from that ritual. Yeah,
4: so, sometimes you do get people who are quite shy or yeah. aren't sure what to say. I always say you know you may do this silently. silently. You don't have to speak out if you don't want to because sometimes people freak out and they might want to go but say so, you no, know, you can do it silently in your head. Yeah and that's fine and you know all of that's good.
3: I think too well, almost switching back to the leading ritual Hard again too is there have been times that I can tell by people the body language of the, some of the people in the circle to be able to say I am not going to call on you to do something yeah. specific. Yeah. If we haven't planned it ahead of time, yeah. you can relax. Yes, <laughs> yes. You are not going to be randomly call, asked to call a quarter.
5: <laughs> you might be politely asked if someone doesn't show up. Yes. But, it's, it's, but no
3: you're one's allowed gonna to pressure say no. You. Yeah, you're allowed
5: so to, you're to, you're say no. to say no. Yes.
4: And in those cases, you often go to someone you know. Yes, You know, it's very comfortable speaking in public. But another thing, and this might sound like a dark side, but it is a reality. It's not like working with just, you know, your your circle or your coven group or your grove. You're not going to know everyone there. You're not going to know what everyone is like or what their energy is like. I always, if I'm going to a public ritual, I always make sure I have a little bit of my shields up. Not that I can't enjoy the energy, not that I can't enjoy what's going on but you don't know everybody there. So I find a little, little ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure can really be helpful. And the other thing is, is if you say, oh, there's a public ritual on Mabon and we're going here and you get there and the person leading the ritual, you can't stand them or you have a bad history with them, sit out, yeah. if you don't think you can keep your head. Now, if you think you can put it completely to the side and go in the circle and enjoy, okay. But if you really like despise someone, or hopefully you don't despise anyone, but if you do, sit to the side and watch. Yeah. Honestly, I know that
5: sounds terrible. No. You do
4: not want to ruin everybody else's thought.
5: No, it's not terrible. You, you have to be able to go into this with an open mind and an open heart and being open to what's what's happening. Cause it's, it may not be your, your patron. It may not be your flavor of paganism. You're there to experience something new. And this involves meeting new people and mm-hmm. Potentially putting things aside and enjoying yeah. the moment
4: Yeah, there there's oftentimes you're you know you I've gone to I've led many when, when you're leading a public ritual You have to be prepared for even if somebody you don't like shows up. Yeah. Yeah Like especially you can't go as you know the leader of that ritual and go you can't come in here. Yeah, you know kind of idea I mean, I know I like I know their energy's horrible. I don't want them in here You can't do that. No. Yeah, but you know and I know that sound it sounds a bit harsh But if you like hate someone there
5: hopefully you don't hate anyone yeah but if you do you know it's just best to sit to the side you get at a ritual what you put into it Absolutely. be it being open be a positive whatnot so so
4: that that i know that sound like the negative side but you know be cautious yeah at the same time
1: i was just thinking that triggered something else and i that's both as a participant and as somebody who's leading a ritual i guess one of the things we haven't talked about is how rituals can hit somebody because it is it yeah. i have i have attended rituals and i have led rituals where participants have been hit very hard by whatever the the meat of the ritual was about and and they need they may need extra time after or somebody to walk them through a grounding because they didn't you know they they were affected by the mm-hmm. it they could be triggered by a past experience all those sorts of things so you also have to be aware just for yourself and for the people around you that uh, how they're affected
4: I think that also might be part of what some people call good ritual hygiene yes you know what I mean like a good smudging at the beginning you know or sprinkling with water a good grounding at the end or you know all you know I'll often say if anyone has any questions after the ritual please I'm here you know, come over and talk to me and all that. But, but that, the, the good old good ritual hygiene. Yeah. That's
5: a good like, way to put
4: it. It is. It smudge everybody <laughs> before, you know, ground everybody after. Because there's been like, what? You didn't do what? You didn't close those quarters and they're wide open and now everyone's going home and they're all airheaded and you got to be careful. Yeah.
5: So... We don't have to get into like specifics, but do any of you guys have memories of a ritual that these have gone really, really well or really, really bad?
1: I was not leading, but I was a participant at a ritual where the flowing sleeves didn't catch fire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the very, the very lovely, um, the very lovely holy clothing style dresses and such. So, yes. The witches can burn and often they are burning because of their own
5: actions.
1: (laughs) didn't didn't take any medieval witch hunters to
5: To do it. To to do do it.
1: Yes. So so I have, yeah, I have been there. I have been at that ritual.
4: (laughs) I do have one and I was doing this ritual with somebody and we were at the UU church and I got ill that morning. I was very, very ill and I couldn't do it. So I handed over the ritual and it was a very powerful ritual and it was a lot of energy and community energy and this and that. And I said, I can't do this. And I called up someone and I said, can you lead this ritual with such and such? And that was a mistake. And I'll tell you why it was a mistake. Not that they are not a wonderful witch and didn't do a great job. But the way I would have handled the energy of that ritual and the way this person handled the energy of that ritual, I guess afterwards there was fights and the cops, (laughs) people (laughs) went back to someone's house, a bunch of people, and there was fights and the cops came and all hell broke loose, basically, because... I was at that party.
1: (laughs) You were at that party? Yeah, I'm making myself one with the
4: furniture, but <laughs> yes, I,
1: I, I remember that night.
4: So you know what I'm talking about, Yeah, but I don't know, did an ambulance come with someone yeah, having a heart yeah. attack? It was, it was
1: a scene. But, but yeah. you see,
4: I, and do not get me wrong, that, was a, that, that girl, a friend of mine, was a wonderful witch, but I wasn't paying attention to the fact that the way she ran energy and the way I ran energy were completely different things. None of it was tapped down. And God, the moon must have been in Aries or something crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I, don't know. Would, I know this sounds terrible and it sounds a bit snotty. That wouldn't have happened if I would have been there. Yeah. But it, because it was just let rip. Yeah. <laughs> so you know and, what I'm and talking and about. And it
1: was a powerful ritual. So I was thinking about this on the way over here. And I was thinking about public ritual versus working ritual or small group ritual and that sort of thing. And sometimes, in large public groups of of multiple people, really powerful stuff, like that, maybe that wasn't the thing to do in a group of that size. Could have been. uh, You might have been able to do it with, you know, but there's, you, you hit a tipping point where it's theatrical and it can be community building, and offering thanks or gratitude or you know recognition of deity those sorts of things but if you're doing real deep energy work that sometimes smaller groups working groups Mm -hmm. are a better way to handle some of that yeah yeah I, uh, uh, I don't
4: even I don't even remember what the the ritual to tell you the truth because I handed all my papers over and never got them back and my memory's so horrible. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> the dirty details. All dirty I know details. is, yeah. apparently that was a really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you were there that night. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't book. No, no,
1: no. I was. Yeah, I was at that party. Yeah. I, I remember that. That was
4: one for the books. Uh, don't don't have pagan parties during hurricanes. Yeah. Well, there's that too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that that hurricane party. That was a scene. That, that was, was, was something else. else. Yeah. And not about ba- not enough fights breaking out, but. It was—I don't know—was there was there crazy aphrodisiacs, and <laughs> heightened senses, and sight, sentence potion in the drinks? It was crazy. It's a good party, though.
5: <laughs> the last druid ritual we uh, we had was Lunasa. Uh, I held it, and I'm a big fan. In my ritual, I like there to be not necessarily like a lesson learned, but something you take away from it in a spiritual sense of some sort. So in the year previous, Lou is one of my patrons as a crafter, and he's right on mm. my alley. The first time I had done this ritual, I had everyone bring a mistake, a crafty mistake they had made in some way, and they were to sacrifice it, throw it into the fire and let it go and move beyond their mistake. And so this year, I had everyone bring something that they were proud of, something they they created with their own hands and they were happy with, and then throw it into the fire <laughs> and sacrifice And the whole idea behind the ritual was that with this sacrifice that Lou would then gift you his boon to to be better, to create yeah. more. And so after that ritual, I've, I, I don't think I've left this workshop mm-hmm. since. I've been in here every day creating and it's it's been really good. I felt I felt really crafty. I, I think last week I took one day where I wasn't out here, and I kind of felt like garbage. Yeah. It's like no, no, I gotta go out and make some. And I'm making tons of mistakes. There's two huge boxes here of mistakes, but that's Which we okay. Call firewood. Yeah, exactly. Firewood <laughs> or sacrifices for next yeah. year. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. That's
1: right.
5: <laughs> but I think that was. And I'm not tooting my own horn because it was my ritual, but I think that was the best ritual I've ever experienced. Wow, that's that's
4: really, really interesting. Because another
3: way to look at it, too, is to. Let go of your own ego. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get over yourself to be able to do that. And that's,
1: especially and that's... there's that sense of awwen in Druidry yes. where you think yeah. you've got to get into that flow of give and take right. with deity. I,
5: I don't remember who said it, but I think my life motto has become over the last few years I know nothing. Yeah. And the more I admit that I know so little about the universe, the more I'm open to learning and experiencing and becoming better yeah i find like with a lot of individuals we're like oh i'm not gonna learn anything from that book or i'm not gonna learn anything from that part no that's that is for me is the opposite how i want to approach stuff i'll listen to something or watch something it's like yeah i know some of this but i'm always going to take something away there's always
1: one or two sentences in a book there's always an Mm -hmm. idea you know it doesn't matter if it's a beginner book you're like
4: oh Never thought of that that way, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, or, yeah, or even you reread it and you yes. rethink about something that you've had set in your mind and go, well, geez, maybe if there's that angle. Uh, yeah, because like yeah. you've changed, so
1: the material's there, and you've changed, so you're seeing it differently. And right. yeah, exactly.
4: And, I've always said that that book, um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Yeah, that a man should read that every ten years.
1: Yeah because yeah.
4: at 20 you're different than at 30 yeah. than at 40 than at 50 oh, women too you can read yeah. it too yeah. but read it every 10
5: years and yeah. see
4: how it applies to your life differently
5: The Way of the Peaceful Warrior I'll have to look this up there uh, is, a movie. There is a movie a yeah. movie I
1: was going to say I remember the movie I you know it's a little indie movie and so I said to Jan Way of the Peaceful Warrior we saw it and then we saw it being and I said oh my god so we had to go opening day and we had to go and we were super early because we were afraid that it was going to be lined up and there was three of us yeah. <laughs> there was Dave and me and Maeve and and you know and the people bringing the popcorn you know yeah. and stuff like there was ushers and stuff uh, yeah we were like I'm uh, like looking around does nobody know that this great work of art is here <laughs>
4: I'm off and then the movie was ah, it was okay it was okay
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could watch Nick Nolte do pretty much anything, though. Yeah. So. Yeah,
4: it yes. was it was uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, it's kind of like something. Well, then again, maybe we're just we're just the weirdos.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
4: when we're you know when you're in the movie and you think it's one of the in your top ten, if not your top five, and people at the other end of the row are leaving. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that applies to so many things, like. <laughs> There was an individual who told me that they listened to a podcast, and I'm like, "Oh my God, he listened to our podcast!" And everyone else is like, "Who? Who are yeah, you talking yeah.
1: about?" Yeah, Brian and I are like,
5: <gasps> "This person of importance to us." To us, yeah, that's
3: right,
4: that's right. Oh my goodness. But anyway, so again, t- 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 I guess we're getting close to summing her up. Don't be afraid to do a public
5: ritual. <laughs> really. Yes. And you can't you can't mess it up unless you catch on fire.
4: <laughs> well, even then,
5: even then, no I'm thing. sure you can still pull <laughs> yes, it off. You
3: know, there are only memories.
4: For the time, <laughs> another time when we were caught, we're doing half the quarter calls in Gaelic. And I knew I flubbed it up, oh. and it was a matter of oh, nobody here knows Gaelic except for Dana, who was completely fluent. Never met anyone completely fluent so, like, in Gaelic. <laughs> and I could have said, you know, anything. I could have said, "Turn your nose upside down." I don't know what to say. Well i am like, oh, no one's gonna know. I have to say, someone did.
2: Over half of
5: the mistakes we've made as a grove is always mispronunciation of Gaelic. <laughs> always the same stuff. <laughs> and we're like, eh, no one here knows this. (laughs) We'll be fine.
3: (laughs) The gods and the goddesses understand. understand. it's true.
4: Well, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. If you would like to ask us any questions or have any suggestions, you can certainly find us on our Three Witches and a Druid Facebook page, and certainly give us a like, five stars, and all of that because we certainly we certainly appreciate that. And I believe you'd like to, uh, to to thank our patrons there.
5: Yeah, if we will thank our patrons for this month. So we want to thank Tanya, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, and Jennifer. Thank you so much for all your support. We move into season two. We've learned a lot, but at the same time, we're sticking to the same old system. These are just our opinions, our thoughts. We're not teachers. You're not going to learn. Well, you got to learn something. <laughs> but we're not here to educate you. You're we're just, here, you're to just talk. here to listen to us
4: <laughs> and hopefully learn from our mistakes. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's the important like long part. Long sleeves and flaming torches are not the best. In the world. <laughs> well, until next time, everybody, take care and merry meet,
0: merry heart,
4: and merry meet again. Blessed Bless be. Me.
0: This has been. Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening.
6: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.